G'day guys, welcome back to another episode of the Inner City Hermit Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, you know the drill, subscribe to the podcast there. Or if you want to keep up on social media, Instagram, Facebook, at Inner City Hermit. I'll always post a couple vids on there and you can keep up to date with everything that's going on. Uh, Excellent, we smashed that, smashing it guys. My guest today... My guest today is someone who is very close to me, someone who I am very fortunate uh, to obviously know, uh, but my guest today is Kia Pates, aka the plant-based dietitian. Now, Kia runs Plant Nutrition Wellness, which is a dietetics business, uh, and she is a qualified dietitian as well, so I thought I'd uh, get her on, and we talk with the pubs opening and everything like that. I've kind of um, been a little bit interested in like pub nutrition, so what you can Uh, sort of swap in, swap out, and how you can actually be a little bit healthier at the pub whilst also having a good time on the beers. So um, yeah, this one was really interesting, a lot of of knowledge in this one, and I just, uh, yeah, just love talking to Kia. So uh, without further ado, guys, in this episode, Kia Pates, welcome. G'day, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Inner City Hermit. Uh, I feel like this is weird introducing you, um, but I have, well, we've been thinking about this for a while because the first podcast we did together was a Japan podcast and that happened about a year ago when the podcast was in the was very... Was really a year ago? It was ago. a year ago, yeah. It Wild, hey. And uh, I have improved my skills since then because you did have a, a bit of a go at me for talking over you a fair bit and <laughs> re-watching it, I did talk over you a fair bit. Um, but I thought we'd get you on uh, with the pubs and stuff opening, talk a bit of pub nutrition. We have Kia Pates, uh, the plant-based dietitian. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me on in my own home. That's okay. I figured um, you know, it was a long trek uh, for you to get to the living room of our apartment. Um, but uh, I'm very, very happy you're here. I love the last podcast we did, so I'm very excited to get you on again and uh, chat about things that uh, you know a lot about. Yeah, nutrition. Nutrition. Fucking nutrition. Let's get into it. But um, the main reason we thought about this was um, with pubs opening again, and obviously the audience uh, that I sort of have with the potty is predominantly blokes who enjoy beer, me being one of those blokes who enjoy beer. I thought we'd have a chat, uh, a little bit of a chat about uh, pub nutrition and uh, what's the best go um, with pub nutrition. Um, so, like, I guess for you, when you think of a, a pub, um, because obviously you don't really frequent pubs all that often. Never. <laughs> exactly. No, and I think that's when you think of a pub, Kia Pates, as a mid twenties woman. What what sort of foods do you think of when you think of a pub? Well, obviously, there's a lot of stand. I would call it standard Australian food. Yeah. You know that you've always got like the steak and chips or the schnitzel the or palmy, nachos. The yeah. bloody palmy. We were, we were actually in a pub last night. Yeah, so we had the... I was at a pub last night in terms of just watching your soccer game. Yeah, yeah. We did have a little bit of a look-see what was on the menu. Had the... What did they have there? The carbonara, the steak and chips, the schnitzel and nachos as well. So I kind of say that sort of stuff is probably a, you know, typical thing you find in a pub, but 
to be honest, you'd probably know more than me about what you'd find in a pub. Oh, definitely. You know, I, I do frequent the old uh, Bricky's laptop a fair few times. Uh, you don't know what the Bricky's laptop no. is. The pokies. Oh, yeah. And uh, no, I think pre-vegan too. Pre-vegan, I was very much a staple pub sort of meal guy. Like I go there, palmies. Um, and I think to the pricing of like the food, like uh, for example, you go to a pub and it's like, it, I think like Logandale Tavern, which is where I've had a couple meals pre-vegan. This was back with um, the boys from school. It was like $12 schnitzel nights where it's like for 12 bucks, you get a beer, um, you know, chips and a schnitzel. And like, you know, one of the biggest things is to me, that's, that's super cheap. Like, and when you're looking for like something that's like affordable, that's a big meal to have quite cheap. And I guess the biggest thing, like thinking about pub food is it's, it's got a sort of a bad rap around it not being healthy, like everyone sort of associates, but are there ways, do you think there are ways that just by stand, like really, I guess, analyzing the food and it's not say like, oh, you have to have a salad, but are there sort of ways that you can make deep fried like schnitzels and stuff, sort of balance them out to make it a little bit healthier or just, you know, because when, when you're taking in a lot of beer, like beer is very carb heavy, obviously. Like how, how do you manage a meal where you know it's not that good for you, but what can you do to it to make it a little bit? Well, I guess firstly, you'd be probably looking at the frequency. So if you're going to the pub, which let's say overall the meals aren't the healthiest thing we can be choosing, like we can get away with eating unhealthy food. And I'd always say, you know, you've got to have a little bit of balance in your diet. But if you're doing that and that's your kind of go-to meal every night of the week or as like a quieter number of times, so say maybe every second night, three times a week or so, that's going to come at a bit of a cost in terms of your health overall. So firstly, I would say the less frequent you can go to pubs, or to eat at pubs would probably be a good option if you can. So for example, like, you know, most people like to go to the pub on a Friday night, Saturday, you know, that's where they hang out with their mates. And the thing is when you're eating and trying to eat healthy, you don't want to compromise those other areas of health, which is socializing as well. But say, for example, if you're going to the pub on say a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just by yourself eating at a pub, drinking some beers it's probably not the healthiest thing you could be doing and that's where i'd say okay maybe you could just start off simply by trying to cook at home a little bit and if you are someone that is not a great cook because don't want to stereotype but just based on my experience with clients majority of the time it's a female that's doing the cooking and we generally find that males don't aren't as as involved in cooking as females are and what that generally means as a result is a lot of males aren't as comfortable with cooking. So when you're not comfortable with cooking, you're less likely to cook at home and you're more likely to eat out. So kind of firstly comes back to getting yourself a little bit more confident with cooking to be able to cook at home. So whether that means starting to use a few like frozen meal options could be uh, like, like say there are some healthy choices when it comes to frozen yeah, meals. Do you have, like, what sort of brands? Like healthy choices is yeah. a, is a good brand. Um, lean cuisine's not too bad or the best that I generally go for is super nature okay. and their frozen meals. They can be a really good start. Um, after that, I would say you could possibly look at fresh pre-prepared meals. So things like, um, uh, what's that one? Hello fresh. No, not hello no. fresh. The one that's 
Like you foods? You foods, yeah, yeah. You yeah. foods are really good because they're fresh, you know, you yeah. get delivered to your door. They're not too, too expensive. To be honest, they're going to be as probably expensive as a pub meal anyway. Yeah. And then kind of after, I'd say maybe starting to look at things like HelloFresh or Miley and Spoon, where you literally get a recipe card and all the ingredients delivered to you to be able to cook straight from. And that can be a really good start. HelloFresh, Marley and Spoon are pretty expensive. So if budget is part of your considerations, they always have those discount codes for when you're starting at the yeah. start um, or like starting off. With you can just do a bit of a jump, just do free trials. Yeah, free trials. Yeah, just do free trials, <laughs> Marley and Spoon. There's so many new ones coming yeah. out now anyway. Um, and, you know, try to do that at the start. And then once you're a little bit more confident with that, also remember that you're probably going to suck if you're not familiar with cooking the first few times. It just takes practice. Do you do you find that with a lot of your clients? Do you find that um, like it is? It's a. It, do you find that they are quite honest that it is like a comfort thing? Like they feel like they're not good at it, so they choose not to do it. Or? Yeah, yeah, and they're less likely to experiment with different things. Yeah, okay. And yeah, and like it just and it, the biggest thing is it comes from practice. I guess yeah. the thing I'd always ask is, you know, where did where did you learn to cook from? Mum. Yeah. Oh, and you. And yeah. me, thank okay. you. Yeah, yeah. But the same, like I yeah. learned a lot of the basics from my mum. Yeah. And if we think about, um, say, socioeconomic status is a good example. If you're like we know that lower socioeconomic status is linked with higher intake of discretionary items, which is more processed food, junk food. Say, for example, you come from a family where you get brought up on a lot of takeaway foods on a lot of Hungry Jack's Maccas. You as a person are so much less likely to eat, to cook from scratch because you've never been brought up to learn how to cook. And so it's kind of just like this compounding intergenerational thing where you're not taught and therefore you're less likely. And we don't really learn cooking at school. Like I didn't really have cooking at my school like we had I think one one or two lessons on it yeah. and they weren't too great and then when you're in high school you can do it as a subject but most people don't um, just, just so you, you know, did it just Congrats. my <laughs> mum was like you're not doing it you can learn this at home so I it's guess you know fair. and like look I was lucky my mum taught me yeah. how to cook um, but you know and that's the thing as well you know when you're an adult and trying to learn things for, for yourself like generally it's hard to do things and it's hard to try force yourself to get better at things that you feel like you're bad at. Mm. And then that kind of self-efficacy, which is, you know, how well or how, how good you think you are is going to be, you know, a little bit battled um, or not going to, you're not going to feel that good about yourself if you're, you've made something and then it, it doesn't turn out the way you want it. So yeah. it's a process. You can also considering doing cooking classes and whatnot, heaps of YouTube videos out these days as well. But I would say that would be kind of a good, good pathway. And then eventually once you've got a few, maybe hello fresh meals under your belt that you're comfortable with, then you can just go buy those ingredients from Woolworths and Coles and it makes it a little bit cheaper. Yeah. And even that is what I would say is a good start if you're someone and you're finding you're going to the pub frequently or even even like going to Macca's and Hungry Jack's and yeah. things like that really frequently um, is just trying to cook more at home. We know that cooking at home, cooking from scratch is so much like healthier or better for your health. Um, and that would always be kind of a really good start in just trying to reduce that frequency of times that you're you're essentially going out to the pub more so purely by yourself. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's do you like so with those pub? I think a lot of people sort of think about the idea of like a, a pub meal, like you know those sort of meals, like a yeah. steak and stuff like that. Yeah. Is they are sort of a healthy alternative to those fast foods. Mm-hmm. Do you, are they, are they still? Would you still consider them a healthy alternative to those fast foods? 
Yes, I would probably as well. Yeah. Like, look, it's a continuum. So, yeah. you know, when we think about Macca's, Hungry Jack's, KFC, they are generally very, very highly processed. We know they're very high in things like saturated fats and salt, which, again, we know over time leads to a lot of chronic diseases. So things mm. like diabetes, heart disease, high cholesterol, things like that. And the thing with food, food very much directly links to a lot of the chronic health conditions we find in Australia today. However that's not really known about that much. And so a a bit of an issue we find here is it's not necessarily, okay, you know, you're eating one Macca's burger, you're going to get a heart attack. It's more that continual over time. You know, the more you eat that stuff, the more you're going to get those chronic health conditions. So yes, if we compare say Macca's Hungry Jacks to pub meals, yes, pub meals are definitely better. But then of course, like with pub meals, there's a continuum. So the more deep fried stuff you get generally the less optimal that is for human health so say for example if we compare say chips and you want something again that's providing you some sort of carbohydrates giving you a bit of energy you know even going for a potato option is going to be uh like a better option than chips so like going for your like mash or something like that um you know steak and mash is going to be a bit better um again we know that too much red meat as well is linked with Things like increasing your risk of bowel cancer. It's also very high in saturated fats, which are our bad fats. Increase your cholesterol, increase your risk of heart disease. So I would generally say not having steak that frequently when you go to the pub. So opting for more chicken as well. So going chicken's a better chicken, idea. Chicken instead of steak, definitely. Okay. Um, also portion size. Like yeah, say, say, say if you ask. really like a steak, mm. right? The generally like a portion size of steak is 65 grams so when you see things that are like the 400 400 grams i was gonna say that like that's that's your week of meat so that that is a week that is a week of meat fuck yeah so generally they say no more than about 500 grams of red meat a week yeah um we know that the less red meat that you have overall generally the better so following a more mediterranean like a mediterranean style diet is the diet that we know has them linked with the most positive health outcomes does and that include chicken is chicken yeah Mediterranean? includes chicken yeah. yeah but with red meat it includes red meat but they generally recommend red meat to be eaten once or twice a month Shit, so really yeah, which is like really fuck you know if you, <laughs> yeah i know it's not that much so like what i tend to tell clients yeah. especially if i'm seeing them for like high cholesterol um is if you're having steak rather eat it when you're out rather than yeah, having it just home. be careful with that sorry it's just moving the table no, um, keep going. Rather, rather having it, but also portion size is important. Yeah. So say, for example, you get the option of, do you want a 200 gram steak, a 300 gram steak, a 400 gram steak? Go for the 200 gram if yeah. you can. And also if it comes with a lot of fat on it, try yeah. to cut the fat off because that's the, the, the bad fats, the saturated yeah. fats. So with like that steak size, because I know, for example, me and, you know, I'm, I still very evidently remember my meat phase. Like mm. I was the kind of guy that would eat a 300 gram steak. And, and so what, what would you say to sort of guys that would say, or girls, like, I don't really mean to make this like male predominant, but if they have a 200 gram steak and chips and they're still hungry, what is the go? Cause I think my argument to that would be, I'm still hungry. Mm-hmm. If I had 200 grams, I'm still, what would be 
the best way without overdoing the steak to make sure that I, for example, would still be full? Well, I guess I'd be looking at what else is on your plate. So that steak, that 200 gram steak would be providing you ample amounts of protein and protein we know is very satiating. So it's keeping you full. The other thing that we know provides or really helps with fullness is something that we call fiber. So fiber is one of our four main macronutrients other being carbohydrates proteins and fats and fiber essentially is undigested by the body provides a lot of fuel for your gut bacteria but it allows you to feel full it provides a lot of a bulking effect so we find a lot of fiber in primarily your vegetable based foods so veg when i say vegetables i'm actually referring to salad and cooked vegetables so things like your like any of your typical salads that you find at you know side salads things like that like with spinach tomatoes cucumber or like your cooked veggies like you know broccoli carrots green beans things like that so what i would probably recommend then is try it a lot of people are generally surprised that they're actually full over a smaller portion it's just your body getting used to it Um, but i would say try and opt to have a side of vegetables or salady stuff with your meal so you know a lot of people if you're just having steak and chips where's the green there's no green parts of the meal so having that is going to help you feel full because it's going to provide some bulk to your stomach generally your stomach is about the size of say like four cups so if you're if you're eating vegetables and the side of vegetables is like one two cups equivalent in the portion size you know that's essentially going to fill you up quite a bit it's going to help expand your stomach uh, let off those kind of stretch receptors as well which is going to initiate you feeling full The other thing that I would generally, generally recommend, and this is what I see a lot from working with men that I know go to the pub, is a lot of men, actually, it's not even men. It's like everyone does it. Just people who go to the pub. No, it's just people in general. Just people. Eat too fast. And I am guilty of that. You're guilty of that. Because you always tell me I eat too fast. Definitely. So it does take 20 minutes for your stomach to tell your brain it's hungry. To to tell your brain it's full. So say, for example, you're eating a meal, you're finishing that meal in 10 minutes, of course you're going to be hungry and then you're going to be like oh what else can i eat can i get another side of chips can i do whatever you're going to do enter the spring rolls enter the spring rolls (laughs) enter the dessert things like that like and so what i would say is you know while you're trying to go for a smaller option try and eat slowly so eat you know uh allow 20 minutes essentially um for that meal so you know checking your watch um to see what time it starts or even you might even want to start off with just eating your at your normal pace and actually seeing how fast you eat because yeah. a lot of people are really surprised i should do that because i don't think i have oh, a so good... finally you decide oh, to do it yeah well like because i don't actually really notice because i you I eat in about 10 5 10 minutes yeah and i don't notice it i i honestly if you don't point it out i will not notice how fast i eat and you know like, what that does to me it makes me eat fast yes okay everything's my fault i get that <laughs> no but no, yeah but I, also, I don't notice no, but yeah. that's a really good point if you're around people who are fast eaters you naturally will eat faster as well Well, i just remembered then when we when i went out obviously i I didn't eat at the pub because like it's i guess it's different for me eating at the pub nowadays because like obviously you just get chips yeah i just get chips and i eat (laughs) this quick but it's so true like i was sitting down with the boys and we were in and out of the restaurant in about 15 minutes Mm. like that's and when you think about fair play we were keen to get to the pokies but we eat collectively mm-hmm. we eat really fast but i wouldn't notice that unless someone was a slow eater right? i know we should probably take some tips off places like france like yeah i went to france last year and i am 
was astounded about how they eat there. They all, like the entire country, gets two hours lunch break during the day. That would be fantastic. I know. I wish I had that. But that's because they, they're so slow with eating and they yeah. have multiple courses, even at the schools. They mm. have that because they have, you know, schools there where you're provided food and you get like a small entree of like some fruit and then you yeah. get your main meal and then your soup and then you get your dessert of a little bit of cheese. And, you know, in Australia, we're just like, nope. We're, all, we're this fast food culture. We, um, yeah, it, I think it, it's like that for everything we do. Mm-hmm. We drink fast. We drink a lot really fast. Mm-hmm. We eat a lot really fast. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of like a cultural thing mm-hmm. around that. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's very odd. Like mm-hmm. when you think about it, we, we do a lot of things like that, yeah. which is which is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And then I guess the other thing is, you know, thinking as well about uh, – like sauces is another yeah. option. So when things are drizzled with a lot of sauce, that really increases the calorie density or the mm. energy density of that. So even asking for sauces on the side, if you can. And that's salad dressing as well. Salad yeah. dressing as well. Like often if we look at purely calories, you know, the calories, which is um, if we think about basics of energy, yeah. our body's burning a set amount of calories and our body's ingesting calories from our food. And um, sometimes the calories of the dressing is equivalent to the entire salad or even more than the entire salad itself. So I'd always say try opt for the, um, the salad, uh, the dressing on the side, you should grab up hog's breath menu. I was there the other day. Oh, it yeah? is so that. interesting. Is yeah. it interesting as in it's good or bad? Inter- no, just interesting as, okay, what are some better options to have? So, um, while Matson's grabbing this up, are quite a good thing to, I guess, learn or kind of understand. Go to menu at the top. I just clicked yeah, on menu. Yeah. This is it. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. no. It's, I looked at this the other day. It was one of my patients. So look at that. If So just no, no, in no. Go, there's, yeah. there's a way you can look at the whole menu. Go down. Go down. Up, up, up. Yeah, stop. There you go. New, full down, new menu. Oh, there excellent. So, so the, before I go into this, though, I, I should probably just mention, when we think about food and when we think about energy, there's calories and there's kilojoules. So yeah. calories is just the measurement they use in, a, in America. Kilojoules is what we use in, in Australia. So the typical average person typical is 8,700 kilojoules a day in how much food they need. We find lots of different kilojoules in lots of different foods. So differentiate between men and women? Uh, Yes. So generally men, because you have a high muscle mass and especially if you're quite active, you tend to have a higher metabolism than um, than females do. Yeah. So, so remembering that kind of that 8,700, um, if you wanted to go down, just down a bit, if you want to just go to burgers here. So, yeah. So if we look at some of the burgers, places like hogs breath, KFC, Macca's, Subway are quite useful in the fact that a lot of these big chain store restaurants have the amount of kilojoules on their menu. So that's something that's really, really useful to look at. A lot of your smaller chains don't, but if you can get a bit of an understanding as how many kilojoules of calories they have, that can be quite useful. And so we can see here, like, you know, the burgers vary quite a lot with say the, you know, the whole hog there, burger is 5,000 kilojoules and that's without the wedges and without the chips. I think, so that's something that uh, you don't really like sort of add on, do you? Like you see that and you assume, oh, that's it, but you don't think about it. And then also on top of that, Mm -hmm. I guess, if you have a beer with that meal too, you're, 
pushing that eight thousand sort yeah. of that's your daily intake it, in isn't it? just the meal that's that's wild i know i know it, yeah yeah Fuck. i know it's crazy yeah. so like i guess something that like is quite useful here when you go to chicken with parmesan chicken chicken dijonese tropo chicken you have the traditional or the light option at hog's breath i don't know if everywhere else has this i assume they don't but there's quite a difference in kilojoules here so like your traditional one has 4213 kilojoules whereas your light one has 2918 kilojoules so if you are kind of more conscious about your health weight things like that i would say opt for the smaller smaller option as well we can also see here that the ribeye on the bone has like 400 grams has 4258 kilojoules also 50 45 dollars 50 geez and then the sirloin steak, the 200 gram one only has 2,500. Um, the point that I wanted to make though is, so I was there, I had the vegan burger. And what I thought was really interesting is the vegan licious burger here has got about 3,400 kilojoules. Now, if we have a look at, yeah, the salad over here, this salad has like 4,600, uh, like about 4,700 kilojoules. So often people say, oh, you know, I'm going to go for the salad. It's a healthier option. Uh-huh. But it's so high in kilojoules. So sometimes the salad's not the good option. It's not necessarily. Okay. And same with like, say, the crumb chicken and ranch salad. Yeah. You know, there it's like 4,000. Uh, one, oh, sorry, 4,100 kilojoules. So, you know, there are, like, the salad is not necessarily the better I was option. actually just looking. The, the 300 gram rump steak, mm-hmm. which is what, like, sort of a standard meal, mm-hmm. you could, that's, you could easily get a rump steak mm-hmm. with a, a small side of chips and it would be exactly the same as the salad, mm-hmm. which th- we would assume the salad would be... The better. And this is what ah, it brings us to another point, yeah. which is you have nutrient contents of food Mm. and then you also have like the calorie content so for example in like a salad there's probably more nutrients there like micronutrients like vitamin c vitamin a vitamin b um sweet potato wedges are eighteen thousand. yeah it's almost two thousand just in itself um so yeah like what purely from that nutrient content perspective the salad's going to have more nutrition but likelihood because of say the dressing so especially they've got ranch here um those dressings especially those creamy dressings tend to have so much higher kilojoules as well so it makes it really really add up so i would say if you are after a salad you know try go for at least like have this dressings at the side as well um but, you know, it's different from person to person as well. But, yeah, you see down the bottom here, you can also... Ah, oh, this is a good example. Um, so, we looked at curly fries. So, curly fries are 1,700 kilojoules. Sweet potatoes are 1,800. Mash is only 679. So, okay. you know how we said before, um, swapping the, the fries to the mash. You're literally... You know, you could have what, like um, three lots of mash for one serving of curly fries. And again, when we think about fullness, you're probably going to be just as full having the mash as you would be having the curly fries. Mm. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, they've got the seasonal seasonal vegetables there as well. Um, yeah. See, yeah. I think uh, that the sort of misconception that people get when you get this, you know, the stereotypical mm-hmm. healthy is that you don't have to give up the good food mm. to get that same. So, you know, like I said there, you could still get a rump, like a rump steak, mm-hmm. which would be your standard meal. Yeah. 
and it's less than the salad, which you would assume, like, you know, if you didn't have good nutritional knowledge like myself, but you go salad, healthy, all good. But realistically, you're not doing anything better for your body, are you? Well, you are and you aren't. So like the nutritional content, like so purely looking at micronutrients of salad would probably be a little bit better than having chips and steak. Um, but the kilojoule content is higher because of the dressings. Okay. So I, this is where so I- So they're the silent killer. The silent killer, yeah. So I would say if you have, if you're looking at from purely say a weight perspective, mm-hmm. so if you're trying to lose weight, I would say try and go for the one that's a lo- bit lower kilojoules. But if you're looking at overall nutrition, I would say go for lower kilojoules, but also make sure you add some sort of vegetables there as well. So yep. whether that be the seasonal vegetables, the steamed ones, even potato mash, um, like your salad stuff, um, like salad side dressing, because that's just going to have a little bit, like it'll have lower kilojoules altogether when it doesn't have a dressing on it um but it's also going to provide you just a little bit more micronutrients so that's good for you in terms of reducing your risk of heart disease diabetes chronic disease things like yeah. that so a lot of um so a lot because you always say this and i always hear you say this like swap it don't stop it that yeah. sort of mentality like you can swap elements mm-hmm. but you don't have to stop the steak and yeah. go for the salad you can swap a couple different things yeah. like for example the mash for the yeah. chips and yeah. or a side salad for the chips or yeah. some, something or like that like you know you steam veggies for yeah. the chips yeah or even just slowing down eating so like yeah. aiming for that sort of in like realistically enjoying mm-hmm. your meal yes for 20 minutes rather than scoffing it down and getting mm-hmm. straight back to the tab yeah exactly yeah. exactly and like the other thing to think about is the fullness of things as yeah. well like you know like we had a look at that salad but you talked about fullness before being like okay you know if i have that if you're like, I don't know if you would agree with this, but if I told a bloke who is a real steak and chips kind of guy to go eat a salad, and we've seen there that the salads are sometimes mm. higher in calories, chances are they eat the salad, they're not going to be completely full. Yeah. So then they're likely going to eat more as well. So, you know, I think it's probably better just to... I'm a big, I'm a big believer in just swapping small things in your yeah. diet. You don't have to completely change your entire diet to eat healthier. It's just swapping those small things. There. Yeah, okay. No, that's good. I, I think that's that's kind of reassuring for a lot of people because I think the idea of having to completely give up something, like for for example, like I'm a vegan, I'm stereotyped to eat salad. I fucking hate salad. Mm. You know I hate salad. Mm. So finding that, you know, like instead of having the sides of those steamed veggies are great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think for me personally, I need to slow down with my eating, especially like with chips. And I think the other thing with that is, you know, drinking – if you're on a on a big sesh of drinking, you're mm. gonna get hungry, and yes, that's the, another. The, this thing is the drinking. danger, yeah. and I'm gonna let you go into why drinking and eating at the same time probably isn't the best thing to do. Yeah, well, when we think about like, okay, so remembering that we talked about say eight thousand seven hundred kilojoules is your daily intake. We worked out just before that. Say, for example, if you had steak and chips, you know you, you know you might be maybe having like. 5,000, 6,000 kilojoules of that, you know, and that's like a, I don't know what the percentage is, but like that's a considerable amount of your daily intake just in that one meal. Mm. And that's without the alcohol. And now alcohol, when we think about macronutrients, has got the highest kilojoule calorie density. So just what's a macronutrient? So 
I wish I had a little. I wish I could draw you up on a here. Little. A little screen. Well, it, a lot of people listen through audio. Yeah, so. there we go. Yeah. So when we think about macronutrients, so macronutrients is what provides us those kilojoules in food. So we've got those four main macronutrients. So firstly, we've got your proteins. Now, proteins we find in your meat, we find in chicken, fish, tofu, eggs, legumes, like lentils, chickpeas, kidney beans. Um, really important for satiety, keeping us full. That has about 17 kilojoules per gram. So say if you took a gram of chicken, generally about 17 kilojoules per every gram there. Now we've got carbohydrates. So we find carbohydrates really important for energy in like our potatoes, in our sweet potatoes, rice, pasta, breads. They also have about 17 kilojoules per gram. Um, Then we have your fiber. So fiber, again, vegetables like we talked about. So for every gram of fiber, it's only about eight kilojoules. So it's about half of the others. So really, really quite low. Um, And then we have your fats. So we talked about fats being really high. So fats is the highest kilojoule or calorie density macronutrient. So it's got 37 calories uh, sorry 37 kilojoules per gram so it's like almost double protein and carbohydrates so fats being like your avocado your nuts and seeds olive oil oils in general butter margarine and so for every gram of that you're providing 37 kilojoules to your body and then alcohol is the second highest in kilojoule density so it's 29 kilojoules per gram so that's pure alcohol so one standard drink is equal to 10 grams of alcohol so that's what one so whenever you look at a beer or anything that says one standard drink it's 10 grams of alcohol yeah. so, so that's not a that's it for those like that's that's just a pot so a pot is a small glass then you've got your schooner then you get your pints so i don't know pot's, how many standard drinks are in each so i think a pot's one standard drink is it yeah okay. and then a schooner is i think oh, mate, I, I don't know the math i'm pretty um, sure in that photo i sent you yeah i was gonna say you got, did send me a photo yeah okay here this here is a really go. good example okay so this talks about uh well, no, it doesn't have schooner or pot or anything like that. Yeah, no, two, two eighty-five, one standard drink. I'm ninety. I'm ninety percent sure two eighty-five is a pot. Okay. Yeah. So two eighty-five. Yeah. So that's one standard drink. So yeah. that's going to provide you for sixty kilojoules. So we talked about beer and light beer, actually, in terms of what's a better option. Have we? No, we said we were going to talk about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um. So with light beer, so. For one standard drink of normal beer, it's 460 kilojoules. For one standard drink of light beer, so it's 480 kilojoules. So it's mid-strength? Light beer. I don't know what light beer is. I'd say it's probably mid-strength beer. Mid-strength beer? Yeah, like half the alcohol content. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah like, it would it's, be, yeah. So it's about 0. 0. 0.9 standard drinks. That's one standard drink. One standard drink. Okay. Yeah. It depends on how much you have. So it's based on, it's, it's based on how much. Yeah. 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 So like, so if we look at one standard drink of your normal beer is 285 mils, where one standard drink of light beer is 425 mils. Okay. So essentially though, this is the thing where you're going, should I choose standard or should I choose light? That it's depending on how, how much you're having. So Mm. the out, like the calories is going to be the same. Because it's purely based on the alcohol content. Yeah, so if you're choosing light beer because you want to drink more of it, it kind of defeats the purpose. It defeats the purpose, yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, if you... I, I'd always say like the how much you need to get drunk, right? Yeah. So like if you say, say, for example, you need one standard drink to get drunk, you know, you're just going to be eat, drinking 285 mils of normal beer or 425 mils of light beer. You just get more, like the quantity is just more. Yeah. So if you're just trying to cut down on your quantity of beer... Um, purely, then I'd say, yeah, the light beer is a little bit better option because um, it's going to be for the same amount of 
normal meat beer, so for the same like mills, it's going to be lower kilojoules. But it's not necessarily like if we're just comparing a standard drink to standard drink, it's actually the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It's it's like a little bit complicated in that I think there's so many measurements. You know, like you look at you got to look at the mills, then how many standard drinks, then the kilojoules in that, mm-hmm. and then and then and then you know you throw like there's obviously you got the different sizes in mm-hmm. i think it's it's tough because i know for example if i want a healthier option i'll go or if i am wanting to to drive yeah i will have a light beer right yeah. but the downside to having that light beer is i can drink slightly more of it and you can see there like one standard drink of light beer is 480 kilojoules whereas one standard drink of a normal beer a pot which is 285 is 460 which is not really that much difference not like different? no 20 no. kilojoules is nothing oh, it is yeah nothing. it's okay. nothing but like see, i didn't know that that's something i thought that was a little bit bigger than like you know so that's generally the difference between like an apple a small apple and a big apple oh okay yeah cool didn't know that um but if we look at spirits so spirits would i would always say generally be the lowest amount of kilojoules yeah. as any alcohol goes because it's the highest kind of pure alcohol content. So a standard shot of spirits. So whenever you go get a rum or like a bourbon or a, like vodka, it's always going to be 30 mils in a shot. So that's yeah. what they always measure out. So that's going to be generally at the 276 kilojoule um, option. So that's quite low. Um, but what's important to note is what you're adding into it as well. Yeah, okay. So like if you're having spirit with say, if you're having vodka soda, soda's got no kilojoules in it. So it's, straight that 276 okay. but say if you're doing rum and full strength coke that's going to add a whole lot more kilojoules to that as well so you're probably if you're again thinking about health weight things like that you're probably better going for the say diet coke option yeah. if you can so there is there's a is there a difference between like a good amount of difference between coke zero huge, diet huge, huge so that is true yeah that is a hundred percent true yeah okay. so when we think about weight in general, it's all about eating more kilojoules than your body needs, right? Mm. And so if you're having, say, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head how many kilojoules are in a, a can of Coke. I think it's about it's two, it's about, say, 250 calories, yeah. which is, let's say, like you're not going to be drinking the whole can though. Say if you drink half a can, right? Yeah. That's so that's about 500 so that's about say about 500 extra kilojoules to that so that turns into a seven about 700 kilojoule drink shit yes. that is so much yeah and so that's just one drink and, and so, i was gonna say man so, if i so was at the boundary if we think about this sorry yeah no, uh, go for it say if you had 10 drinks that night i was right? about to say i usually would have 10 of those that's in the night. Seven thousand kilojoules and remember shit. we talked about your daily intake is say eight thousand seven hundred. that's seven thousand just purely from alcohol. empty calories because you yeah. don't feel full no. like you're not full after and then you're it. gonna have your macca's burger after that yeah. or your pub meal or and whatever i eat it is. like yeah. i'll eat a full fucking piece of now that i'm thinking about it dude how bad were those vcrs i used to drink that's co- red cordial a shot of red cordial coke and holy shit they add up really fast so that would be that's why i probably got so fat when i was 18 <laughs> <laughs> just kept oh, drinking alcohol, VCRs. I guess alcohol affects you in a couple of different ways. You yeah. know, it definitely makes you more hungry, 100%. Yeah. Like so it, it is, it, it does make, like yeah, it is. Yeah, and your body, it's a toxin to your body. So your body needs to spend so much time and your yeah. liver just processing it out so of I your guess, body. So I guess, yeah, I was going to say. And it's so. not going to prioritize processing, 
processing the nutrients, it's going to prioritize processing the alcohol. So getting it out of your system. So getting it out of yeah. the system. So what you're eating is generally way above, you know. Yeah. So what, back what to, I mean. guess, the, the primary point, like yeah. how much, if you're, you are having that double Big Mac meal, like you saw me last night, I pounded down two Rebel Whoppers without even blinking. Like I smashed them. I could do that drunk. That's so many kilojoules. Now, what happens? So, because your body's pro- processing that alcohol, that late night, like, sort of hangover meal, like, what is, what, how bad is that for you? Oh, like, it's not great for <laughs> you. No. So, I generally wouldn't say try not to do that on a regular basis. Yeah. Try to just focus on having, like, a, like, when you're late night eating, probably not going to make the best choices ever yeah um i just really try and stick with the water where you can as well so just sort of Mm. like try to avoid is it is it real hunger when you get that alcohol Mm. hunger is it really really. it's not really real hunger because who wakes up at 1 a.m or 3 a.m to eat so true yeah 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 do you um here's here's a question that i i would like to know because there's a couple different differentiating opinions i'd like to get yours on it because we haven't spoken about this even just casually Eating before bed, uh-huh. like just whether it be on a night out or just in general, is it is it how is it bad for you? Like, what's the go with that? Because I've heard so many different things of it doesn't affect you, it does affect you. Like, what what's your sort of take on it? Well, I guess you can like I guess you'd have to define what is what's bad. Okay. Does bad refer to weight gain? Does bad refer to uh, ability for your body to absorb nutrients? Does bad okay affect your sleep? So. Yeah. If you're <coughs> just talk weight loss in terms of weight loss, I'll talk about a couple of them. Okay, so if we're looking at it purely from a sleep perspective, yes, if you're eating late at night, it can disrupt your sleep a little bit in some people, not everyone though, yeah. you know, like I can eat late at night and I won't interrupt my sleep. I'm pretty sure you can as well. Yeah. Well, I, um, I had whoppers last night and I had a nightmare, so I don't know if that was <laughs> to do with the, the food or, but say for example, someone who's experiencing reflux, yeah. right? Okay. They are going to go to bed. And they're going to get massive reflux yeah. if they, they've just eaten before bed. So it's safe. That's you. Generally keep a couple of hours before going to yeah. bed. Um, in terms of digestion, it doesn't really affect your digestion. Your body's going to absorb nutrients exactly okay. the same time of day, no matter when you I have it. I think that was one of the myths that it affects your digestion or you're digesting slower. I've heard some like listening. I know you love this, but whenever Joe Rogan talks about nutrition, uh, you sort of groan and complain. But one of the things was even laying down while you're digesting food affects it. I think it's bullshit. When is it? Your body goes into like a rest and digest mode anyway. Like when yeah, you're okay. like sleeping. So it is you bullshit. Know? So it's kind right. of bullshit, yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess if we think about, say, uh, one of the reasons this comes up is because of intermittent fasting. Okay. okay. So when we think about intermittent fasting... Do you know much about intermittent fasting? I'll explain uh, it for I, everyone I, I else. I do. I, if you listen to Joe Rogan, which yeah, I do, no. you'll know about fasting. So what intermittent fasting is, is essentially as humans, right? We tend to just eat whenever during the day. Intuitively. Intuitively? Is that what it is called? Intuitively? No. No. Oh, no. Well, I wouldn't say your most people are intuitive eaters. Okay. They might be, but they, uh, like we just, okay. So, <laughs> so we just eat whenever we eat yeah, breakfast, yeah. lunch, dinner, etc. Yeah. What intermittent fasting is, is setting schedules for you to, for your time to eat. So for example, instead of eating a breakfast, you might have say an eight hour fast. So instead of eating breakfast, morning tea, you might only eat between 12 and 8 PM with the idea of that being, you know, fasting is, creating all these amazing health benefits and helping you with weight loss. Um, Now, 
what the thing with intermittent fasting and why it's kind of, you know, it's not actually a miracle cure for weight loss is when you're cutting out breakfast from your day and you're only eating lunch and dinner, of course, you're going to lose weight if your meals at lunch and dinner stay the same size because you're eating less kilojoules overall. And so when we're eating less kilojoules overall, we're going to naturally lose weight. Yeah. Um, so in terms of setting uh, like how that kind of comes in eating late at night, no, it's not really going to contribute directly to weight gain. But like if you're eating more than your body needs to at night, then yes, it will generally contribute to weight gain. So it's not an ever any specific time of day that you're eating that's directly going to contribute to weight gain. It's weight gain. It's more if you're eating more overall. Yeah. Does that kind of make sense? No, I get it. It's, get so it? overall, it, it's just, it's not, it, it doesn't matter when you really eat. It's that's, just about a whole day. Mm. How many kilojoules are you intake? Exactly. And like, this is where, this is a point though that I generally say, say, you ha- say you're just a normal person eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, maybe a couple of snacks during the day and you're staying awake really late at night. If you stay awake really late at night, you generally get a bit bored and you get kind of a bit of fake hunger yeah, as well. I do that. 10 then, rolls around. I'm looking for snacks. You're looking for snacks and you're not probably hungry. If you're asleep, you wouldn't be eating. Yeah. And that's where the extra energy and extra kilojoules can come from that your body doesn't really need because it should actually be sleeping. Okay. So when you're awake more longer than you really need to, you'll generally eat more than you actually need to. Yeah. So I would say you don't need to not like say like eating like eating after seven is going to cause weight gain is completely a myth okay it's not that so it's got nothing to do with sleep it's not it's it's not it's more so it's nothing to do with you don't have to stop eating by a total a a specific time but overall generally if you are snacking later at night Mm. and you've already eaten your entire day's intake during the day yeah that can cause weight gain yeah so i would say it's what like i generally say rule of thumb that can be useful for most people is try and eat within generally a 12 hour window so if you're eating starting breakfast at 7 a.m generally eat until you're about 7 p.m it's not going to work for everyone especially shift workers but you know that can generally give you a bit of a guide as to you know you got 12 hours to eat and 12 hours for your body to digest because your body does need time to fast overnight that's why we have breakfast break fast right get that see what they've done there yeah it's very intelligent yeah so no eating too late at night is not an issue yeah but if it means that you're staying awake later you're snacking on not the best foods you're not eating like your whole foods like your lunch and dinner or you're not eating just enough for dinner, then I'd say it's probably not the best option. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, it, okay, that's interesting because um, I feel like that's one thing that everybody collectively, whether like you yourself or a dietitian, I've seen you walk home with a slice of pizza after a night out. Pizza? Stuff. Really? Maybe it was a pizza? No. Like chips? Pizza is not my time. You should get poutine from, poutine. Poutine yeah. from uh, Five Dogs. Yeah, that's pretty good. But um, I feel like it's just like a natural thing, that kebab But it's sort not of... something that you need. No. Like generally. It's more comfort eating, it's isn't more comfort it? Eating. You want to go home. Go to you're... bed to reduce your hangover. Go to bed, drink, drink a drink liter of, of water, water and have some hydrolite. Yeah. And that's like a lot of the hangover is to do with dehydration. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, it's, it's so funny that sort of we're just accustomed to that late night drinking meal. Mm-hmm. Like, and you don't really, like I've, some of the meals that I've had that late at night mm-hmm. after a big, like mm-hmm. I would love to have sort of a calorie counter on, say if I went out, for example, at, cause like I'll have like, like I'll go out at like 3 PM and I'll probably drink at a pub, then go out, then eat and I'll have meals at the pub. I would love to get a calorie counter 
on or just a kilojoule counter for how much I intake over a big session. And like, to be I reckon fair, I've done you, huge you could, to be fair, and I generally don't say this to everyone, but it's just because I know exactly what your schedule is like. You could get away with it because you are so active. You do like 2,000 steps a day and 20, sorry, 20,000 yeah. 20, steps a day and you exercise multiple times a week. So overall, it's not so much what you do on one night that affects your weight. It's what you do over across on average the entire week. Um, but what I would generally say is, you know, if you're a person who's really, really sedentary and you eat out or you do that sort of stuff, you eat and drink multiple times a week, that can lead to really, really quick weight gain. Yeah. Mm. So again, moderation. Moderation is moderation always key. Moderation is key. And that's the thing, you know, if you're trying to be healthier, don't go on fad diets, don't go on quick fixes. They never yeah. work. You want to do stuff that's sustainable. So if it just means changing your um, steak and chips to like grilled chicken and some mashed potato and veg, you know, one of your three meals that you're eating at the pub a week, that is progress. You know, yeah. that's a good good choice. But if there's times that you just really, really feel like a steak, that's fine. Go choose a steak. Maybe you don't always have to choose the 400 gram option. Maybe choose the 200 gram or 300 gram option. Yeah. You know, it's all about just making those small changes so that, you know, in six months time, you're like, oh, I can't even remember I did that. And yeah. so those are the things that add up. Yeah. So small, small lifestyle changes rather than yeah. you know, huge, drastic mm-hmm. things so on, on that sort of stuff. Like obviously a big thing. And I, I think it's great that they're coming out with it, obviously, um, because it's, I guess it's really weird for men, but things like the man shake, like are they, how much... I saw you do a little face. Um, so the man shake, what, what's sort of your, like obviously tailored towards men, obviously tailored towards older, huskier blokes. Like what's, what's your sort of opinions on the man shake sort of as a meal replacement? Oh, I think supplement? they've done really well on their they marketing. Have, they have. Their marketing is second to none. Because if we think about say uh, like Slim and Trim, which is their brand that of meal replacement shakes at Aldi, I don't yeah. know how many men are going to be like, oh, I want to pick up Slim and Trim. Like yeah. it's not sold to men, right? Do, it's they, sold to do women. they technically do the same thing? They're pretty much exactly wow, the same thing. Okay. Yeah, like if you're choosing like a woman shake, man shake, slim and trim or any of those meal replacement brands, it is literally the same thing you're paying for marketing. Okay. Like there are like, look, to be fair, like the nutrition is going to be slightly different than different yeah. products, but it is in terms of what they do to your body and in terms of how they work the differences are quite negligible. Yeah. Like I would say if you're using them for weight loss, uh, like they're, they're, they're pretty much exactly the same. Yeah. What I would generally say, if you are wanting to kind of incorporate them into your diet, if you like, if you're a man and you had three of those a day, you would get fast weight loss for a short amount of time. It'd yeah. come back pretty fast. Cause that is not nearly enough kilojoules that your body needs every day. I do think it is worthwhile if you have it, like maybe replace max one meal a day. Yeah. But again, individual advice, go speak to a dietitian. Um, but it's just, it creates such a huge calorie deficit or kilojoule deficit from what you need in that meal that it's often not sustainable long-term to yeah. use. Um, but it, look, it's easy, right? You yeah. just grab it and you go. So, you know, it can be quite useful, but I would say like, you know, like I always talk about is you've got to make sustainable changes. If you like a lot of people get angry at themselves because they don't go on these shake diets and then they lose, you know, seven kilos in a week, which is just water weight, by the way, it's not actual weight loss. Um, manage to stay on it for four weeks, say lose, 
you know say they lose 15 kilos a month ridiculous but like that's way too much that you don't need to lose that much in a month four kilos a month is good um but say they lost 15 kilos in a month and then something happened they had a friend's mate's birthday had a big weekend and then they you know got fell off the bandwagon and then they're negatively beating themselves up in their mind about you know oh I'm such a failure why couldn't I just stick to it when it's not actually it's not their fault it's the diet's fault you know the the diet was not sustainable for them in the first place so the thing is whenever you're trying to lose weight you want to do it slow changes you want to do it sustainably because you want to be able to keep it off and so sometimes yeah those man shakes can be useful but it's not it's not really real food right yeah I would just say what can you change for your breakfast so say for example if you're again going to macca's drive-thru every morning for breakfast to get a bacon and egg roll maybe just waking up slightly earlier even having wheat bix or like rolled oats or porridge or something like that that would be a better option and then just really focusing on that for even if it's a month really focusing on that and then adding another thing once it's become a habit um, because you know you can do the slim and trim, and that's the whatever the man shake for a bit. But then chances are you're probably going to just end up resulting back yeah. too. So yeah. you're probably better off doing just those small ch- even though you don't see results directly straight away. It's long term. You got to be sort of wait. You got to wait for it. You got to wait for it. Yeah. Okay. That's I like that because I think a lot of people get mixed up with dieting, and I think. The, the hardest thing now is obviously obviously social media and yeah. seeing like the marketing like you know you, you mentioned that you pay for marketing like yeah. and that's that's such a fair point like you you see man shake you see like all the sort of ex footy players on it and all that sort of stuff and all of a sudden you think it's it's the way to go when realistically changing your chips for mash is probably going to be more beneficial to you in the long run yeah you always got to ask yourself if you're trying something new can i stick up can i stick with this for the rest of my life if you can't then like that's probably not going to be the best long-term option yeah so that's um so do you think that's a question that you should if you're willing to or if you're starting to do sort of one of those diets do you think that's a question you really should ask yourself yeah exactly yeah Yeah. definitely especially like and like i'd say a big red flag is you know if there's if there's diets that you have to put a whole lot of money behind starting them or investing in some sort of product which is a weight loss Mm. product it's probably not going to be like it's the, the, the company doesn't have your your best interest yeah. at heart. It has it has, um, you know, its bank account at heart. And I think the thing as well, like we talked about marketing, is it doesn't matter if like those they're at pretty much every chemist. So it doesn't matter if you're a chemist or if you're at Woolworths or Coles or anything. There is thousands and even millions of dollars that goes behind marketing budgets to get those products on the shelf. Yeah. You know, if you and me just started a product and say created this weight loss mm. shake we're not going to be able to get onto Woolworths shelves yeah. that is going to be a very hard task to achieve so it needs and money. so it needs money so whenever anything's on the supermarket shelf there is so much money behind it making you as a consumer go oh that looks really nice i should try that especially at a chemist you, you, your first your first thought at a chemist is oh that this it's got to be healthy it's at a chemist yeah you know, like i i had this belief as a child, that the glucose jelly beans at a chemist were better for you than uh, other jelly beans. Yeah. And when really, they're fucking jelly beans. 
Yes, because they're for diabetics. <laughs> they're not for yeah. the day-to-day they're person. They're for me. Yeah, they're for they. Yeah. yeah, they're not for you. Yeah. Oh man, interesting. Far out. There's a lot of. I think um, diet's a weird sort of area. Hey, like. Yeah, and there's so many new ones these days. Like everyone's on keto these days, carnivore, or like carnivore diet. Even vegan. Those hectic uh, bloody. What are they called? What's fuck that? That freely fucking uh, raw raw like vegan vegans, diets. Yeah. Bloody this and that. I guess I, one thing I like about you is you, you're you very much like just do what is going to work best for you. Do what's going to work best. And the overall, like there is no studies that show what is the perfect human diet for mm. human health. I was listening to a really interesting article, reading a really interesting article the other day. It talks about to actually find out what the perfect diet for human health is, you would have to get a like 50,000 pregnant women randomize them into different categories of different diets then from the get-go those kids once born would have to go on those diets so one kid would have to be vegan one thing would keto one thing would be mediterranean another one would be low carb and they would have to go on on their entire life and that is just not plausible you just can't get that research and this is the thing with diets is there's just not there's never enough research um because it's you just can't have it's more you know retrospective research oh this group of seventh day adventists have been on vegetarian diets their entire lives because that's a religion etc um so in terms of what we do know though the overwhelming amount of evidence is if you focus on your diet as whole foods so not processed macros stuff whole yep. foods minimally processed you know mostly plant-based foods that's the aim you don't have to go vegan you don't have to go vegetarian you just have to have the majority of your diet as plants yeah you know so that's a bit of a luxury for some people you know not everyone is able to eat a lot of vegetables a lot of fruits and things like that mm. whole grains lentils legumes but if you focus on your diet from mostly those foods you're going to get the most amount of health benefits yeah so plant-based in itself it doesn't necessarily mean vegan does no. it it just means you're eating lots of mostly vegetables because i think a lot of people hear plant-based and their first thoughts are vegan like yeah. you know what I mean? Like vegan, uh, like plant based. Well, vegan really... is a type of plant based, yeah. but you, to be plant based just means, and this is my definition because yeah. there's no formal definition. My definition for plant based is eating the majority of di- of your diet from plants. Yeah, you know, and uh, like this is the thing we grow up having meat as the center of our plate. Where you know you can eat meat, that's fine, but you want to be actually having vegetables as the center of your plate. So at least half of your plate vegetables, and then maybe a small palm size or less of meat and have more plant-based meals throughout the week yeah okay cool cool uh we asked a question on your well we didn't ask a question we asked if there were any questions uh on your instagram have you had any come in is low carb beer better for you is it well that's a good question low carb beer better for you it's more so like we talked about just before with the light beer um it's not really any difference in yeah it's like in so terms low of carb full strength like there's a so pure blonde for example mm, what's like, like it's it's more in marketing given it's not yeah, going to be is. any benefit okay. more, more beneficial for you you know so it's not going to make you skinny no it's not going to make you skinny because oh, at damn. the end of the day for the majority of the calories is coming from or kilojoules is coming from the alcohol okay so low carb normal carb it's not going to be huge amounts of difference there. yeah so realistic so we could probably put a stamp on that that yeah, it's, it's not going to give you too much difference it's not going to give you too much one benefit so drink that. you don't have to drink low carb drink the beer that you love drink the beer that you like in moderation like the 
Australian guidelines for alcohol consumption is generally aiming for like if you're drinking on a regular basis two standard drinks and no more than four standard drinks at anyone like at like an event or an occasion Um, and try to have quite a few alcohol like all two alcohol free days a week four standard drinks four standard drinks in one sitting that's not fun no (laughs) and the thing about four standard drinks that's four standard drinks yeah so not even schooners so if you're having schooners one and a half standard drinks you can have like two and a half schooners and you're done yeah sick that's not fun at all australians overall drink a lot we know that alcohol is linked with liver disease things like that and you know if tied into a poor diet generally you know links with chronic disease long term i would always say you know we want to enjoy our lives as well just if you are someone that drinks really, really regularly, just start off by trying to dr- decrease the frequency that you're yeah. having. So if you're drinking seven days a week, even if you start with having, say if you drink seven days a week and you drink 10 beers every day, and like I have patients that do that, that's 70 beers a week. If you Shit. even drink, one, have one alcohol-free day, that's reducing 10 beers. So that's yeah. going to 60. Then maybe have two alcohol-free weeks, you know, or even like if you say... Instead of doing, you know, 10 beers a week, do nine beers a week, you know, whatever yeah. works for you. But again, you have to be realistic long-term, small changes. you know, small changes, mm. but alcohol does really affect a lot of areas of your body. So, yeah. you know, we do want to have that balance. So enjoy the pub responsibly. Enjoy the pub responsibly as well. But do, but do enjoy it. Yeah. Do enjoy it. It's, I think it's a really important part of especially male life yeah and even like you know there's other strategies strategies that you can use to reduce your alcohol consumption so things like you know having water in between every beer can help you if you try drink a little bit slower we talked about eating slower drinking slow is another good one as well um noticing some of your habits as well so for example um like if you get home as soon as you go get home you, you just grab a beer out of the fridge what can you do to change that routine? Can you maybe go for a walk straight as you get home to calm mm. you down or chill out? Um, maybe finding some other activities that provide you that same relaxation that alcohol does. Um, but yeah, it comes back to, you know, just making those small changes and doing it real, like you want to be able to do it long term. Cool. Lovely KP, plant-based dietitian. We've been going for an hour. Okay, uh, cool. I'm sure you have plenty of stuff to do on your brand new iPad that you got yesterday that you've been eyeing the whole time that the fact that it's still here is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks so much for coming on. I feel like this this is one of those things with the, with the pubs sort of uh, opening up again. I think more people are keen to get out there and start drinking. I think with the excitement that comes with the pubs opening, mm-hmm. sort of like a interesting thing. I mean, like I live with you, for example, and there's things that I just sort of learnt then. So I'm hoping that people can sort of learn one thing that you don't have to change your entire life like you don't have to always just opt for the salad instead of the steak but also from chips to mash yeah chips to mash that's the best thing out of it about it uh low carb beer just drink the beer that you like i guess and just be careful and don't drink too much thank you very much where can people find you kia pates um so I'm sure, I don't know how many of your followers are vegan, but I do specialize oh, in do. vegan do. vegetarian diet. So I am on Instagram at the plant-based dietitian. I would mention though that my big motto with practice is I never convert anyone to go vegan unless they want to. It's more so small changes that people can do and are achievable and eating more vegetables in general, which I'm very passionate about. So at the plant-based underscore dietitian on Instagram, or you can follow us on Facebook at plant nutrition wellness or our website is plantnutritionwellness.com. 
Nice. Lovely. Excellent girl. Fantastic. Guys, it's the Inner City Hammock Podcast, giving you everything from music to diet to everything else. Uh, you know the drill, guys. If you love the content, go subscribe everywhere that you can and go over to socials at Inner City Hermit. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much, Kia Pates, for jumping on. You're a legend. Thanks. Awesome. Okay, guys, have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great day. Bye.